Hey, welcome everybody to podcast number 47, brought to you by 5Pin Universe. I'm your host, Kerry Kreitz. We have the usuals, Tim and Dexter Wiseman, Adam Weber, and we have two special guests this week. We have the recent TPC champion, Jordan Schuess, and uh, long but not forgotten, Derek Holm, 2010 Autumn Open champion. Uh, recently back to the game from an injury that he uh, suffered a, about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago now oh yeah yeah bouncing back with a vengeance making the autumn open cut um placing fairly well and then obviously making a team at uh the open this year in calgary so great to have you guys on i hope you're ready to answer some uh crucial questions we have for you yeah, right on i'm ready for them ready <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh obviously open qualifying was here not too not too recently so we will start there. Um, unfortunately, a couple of us on this podcast could not qualify for our open teams. Um, what, I guess, what do you guys do differently to prepare to qualify during the open as compared to playing in a cash tournament or anything like that? Do you make any adjustments or is it just uh, pretty much the same mentality? Um, Are you talking to the ones that made it or the ones that don't? We will start with the ones that made it. How's that? Okay. Okay. Uh, my mentality never changes. I mean, it, it's basically the same, same scenario. We go out, you know, you have eight game qualifying shifts for the cash tournaments. This one's twenty, but I mean, it's ten and ten. It's basically the same sort of concept. You go out, you try to get your best ten game block you can, move on to the next day, and try to do the same thing over. Um, I don't think mentality changes a whole lot from that. Uh, as for extra preparation. Not a lot. I mean, most of us play relatively often, uh, so not not that big of a deal for us to go out on a weekend at all. Um, I, I'm I'm wondering if uh, if you not playing league this year, Adam. I wonder if you think that's affected you with this weekend, or not this weekend. I guess last weekend. I guess because you're you're the as we've all said many times you're, you're the epitome of like the upper echelon of this game and uh you will even openly admit that you just weren't sharp and and you said that before you went into that weekend do you think not playing league had any effect on you in that aspect or what are your thoughts on that buddy well yes and no really um league for the most part is just reps right so yeah uh, if you're not playing league you got to find another way to get reps and, uh, you know, up until, you know, November, uh, I was playing pretty much consistently for almost two straight years uh, and then had that uh, almost two month kind of lapse there, uh, just didn't have to, to really play. So uh, coming off of that, trying to get, uh, you know, reps in a couple practice sessions is it's just it's not quite the same. And uh, yeah, I, I knew I wasn't sharp, but I knew it felt good. Like it, yeah. it, it, as long as I'm out there throwing, um, I, I was going to be fine. Uh, my, my big issue is I ran into a mechanical flaw and I just couldn't get over that. So I plowed my lights out at a, a house that you just can't plow your lights out in Bonnie Dune. And yeah, just, uh, and two sixty something just isn't good enough in Edmonton anymore. Good enough yeah. for BT. <laughs> Come on out to BC, Adam. You'll make it no problem every year, averaging 250. 
<laughs> yeah. He can go play in the south and make it 240 as well. So it just depends on where you are. You could do that in central too. It depends on the houses you're playing. It's not the zone. For sure it is. No, I agree. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll speak. I'll speak. Um, I, I think it's a little bit different for me. I don't know why with Masters and other cash tournaments, I actually probably get more nervous over the Open, as sad as it sounds, uh, than the Masters or any cash tournament because strictly we cannot rebuy or we can't have any throwaway events. Um, I, I really think in Edmonton, at least, we, we play the first 10 games, especially with most times Saturday we can only host a Bonnie Doom. Uh, it's kind of a placeholder. Like Adam said, you have to average your 260 or 270 to at least have a chance for the next day. Um, and notoriously, when you play Bonnie Dune, there's only about three, maybe, yeah, three people might change at most on that top nine, um, just because of the difference in pinfall. But <clears throat> us going to St. Albert, I thought St. Albert gave us a little bit more of an advantage for those, just because if you're able to grind and work things out, scores are still there. It's just you got a little bit. If you're a little tight, you'll be able not to get away with much. I don't know. I, I, I get, yeah, the 20 games, I think it's 10 games. I pre prepare myself to be a placeholder, getting myself in the mix in the next 10 games. That's where I, I think I try to uh, kind of distance myself out from most times. Um, yeah, and usually after 10 o'clock, I, I bowl better. It just notoriously, that's just, I don't know why, but after 10, 10 a.m. when the bar opens, I play better. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, that's my that's my two cents. Jordan, what are your thoughts on it? <laughs> well, I mean, down here's a little different than than where you guys are coming from because we got you know ten, twelve usual suspects play, and you know you know mentally going in, all right, two forty on the low end, you're going to make the men's team. So your only real big motivation is is to to play for those top three spots. You got you know Marco and. And Mike Warren, Marcus Barkowski, I mean, you got some big names there fighting for three spots. And for BC to win that open singles to go to that national event is actually pretty big because it's open to only a select few throughout the province. And believe it or not, it the last three, four years, they've sent different names from not only from BC North, but the Okanagan and, and from down here in the lower mainland. So... You know, it just goes to show you, like a like a guy like Ian McRitchie, poor soul. He had a he blew a tire and didn't average the cut, and he didn't even make the open provincial team. So, you know, I I mentally prepare as as a bowler going into stuff like that, just to try and block out the friendships you got with the people you're bowling against. You you got room for a beer after, right? But there, I'm I'm there to win. And uh, sometimes it gets the best of you, and you, you, you don't play your game, and you try and beat yourself up, and you, you miss the grade kind of thing, right? So I think just to keep yourself cool and get over that you're playing with your buddies for eight games or ten games per day, and go kick the crap out of him and or her or whatever it is, and go from there. You guys play over two weekends? Um, there's certain zones that are starting to go over to two weekends only because they don't have uh, 
the accessibility to a bowling alley on a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday evening, or actually even for, sa for Saturday mornings because of YBC. So uh, I know a couple zones were thinking about it for next year because Gary Koshchuk in zone four has ran it over two weekends. And it actually throws a twist into it because you got a guy like Aaron King. He was sitting off the team and he showed up the following Sunday and he, he bowled lights out, squeezed back onto the men's team. So it, you know, it just goes to show anything can happen over a given week period, never mind overnight. Yeah, I, I don't mind that at all, actually. That, that's that's great on the proprietor side of things, for sure. It's probably more work for those uh, running the events, but um, from the proprietor standpoint, that makes, that makes a lot of sense, for sure. You yeah. played Zone 3 this year. I did. I, uh, I decided last minute. It was actually one of the tougher decisions I've had to make coming back because of uh, the fact I didn't play the Open last year. I didn't come out to really and come out to any cash tournaments. And if I did, I really mentally wasn't there. So, you know, coming back fully, playing three leagues, uh, going all out for Masters, uh, trying to go all out for cash tournaments and that. Uh, playing three, it just, it's, that's where I felt good. I felt the best, the camaraderie, the connection. I get the ball with a couple guys that are familiar faces and I feel like I blend more with the guys in three this year. Uh, who knows? Maybe next year I might be blending well with the guys in four. It's kind of different down here having the option as long as you bowl in that zone, right? Yeah. There's, you know, you guys are. You're I was just going to ask that. You had to live. You don't have to live inside a certain zone in order to qualify for that zone. No. Well, there's only there's only three zones that qualify for that, right? That's two, three, and four. Yeah, zone and two, three, and four. Yeah. So as long as you live in that lower mainland area and you bowl in, in a league in that zone, then you can play in that zone, correct? That's or choose between the one that you live in and the zone you play in. Yeah. Right. Like, for a quick example, I could bowl uh, Wednesday at Old Orchard in Burnaby, which is considered zone two, and then I could bowl Thursday at Galaxy in zone four. I live in Langley, which is zone three, so I could bowl two leagues and be good to try out for one of three zones. Yeah. just depending on you know the familiar faces kind of thing and you know over the years zone two they're still going at it and those those older guys they you'd be surprised you know as you know as a group us younger guys think the old guys don't have it anymore well you know when he's he's still up there hobbling on one leg still kicking your ass with a 265 after 10 frames you know it's kind of funny getting your, your ass kicked by older guys. <laughs> do, you, do you think that, uh, that that three zone system in the lower mainland area is still working for you guys? Uh, you know, it's got its pros and cons. Um, in my eyes, the borders are probably being looked at to being adjusted only because uh, there's really can only be one bowling alley in zone four that's really usable and that's Galaxy because uh, Poco is going to be uh, uh, torn down and rebuilt so they're going to be out for a little bit. Um, Chilliwack isn't sanctioning anymore. You know, unless those guys want to drive the Boston bar, then uh, you, you're not, you're, you're only in one bowling alley so 
And with Scottsdale, the way it is, if they got maybe one more year left, I mean, zone three potentially might not even have a sanctioned bowling alley to bowl at. So. Yeah, so um, Cloverdale uh, isn't isn't uh, sanctioned anymore? Uh, from my understanding, they were to start the season, but uh, had to pull out, I guess, uh, a couple mechanical failures or something. We were supposed to have our next set of Masters there, but uh, Lori had to double up at Old Orchard over the weekend. I saw that, yeah. Which is fine by me, because I grew up pulling on free fall, and, and so I go there, and I'm like, back to the prep I mean mentally I'm already averaging 260 270 at a free fall center I love free fall you know you love something you're gonna do well at it regardless right yeah could be where I'm going wrong Derek? <laughs> <laughs> how was uh Calgary open qualifying this year Derek uh for the most part it was two-man race between me and Kevy for the most part. Um, pulled out of Paradise on day one and, and Toppler on day two. Um, I think Paradise was the easier of the two centers based on Autumn Open being there. So you had a little, well, me personally, I had a little bit of confidence, especially after how I bowled in the Autumn Open um, going into the first 10 games. So I didn't really mentally prepare there. Um, I just kind of winged it. So I, and me and Kevy kind of burst it out. So I wasn't really too worried in the game or into the second day. Being at Toppler, it's playing a little bit easier this year, but it still seemed to be really tough on that day. So I don't. I was. It was tough to prepare to go into Toppler again, but. I don't know, that place can be mentally draining. <laughs> I heard they um, added oil this year. Um, they, they oil it when it's, I, I, I want to say when it's convenient. Um, <laughs> sometimes they get, uh, they say they get busy, 300 people going in. I can understand it then. Don't have time, so they push it a day or two whenever it's, when it's, when they can oil it right so but it seems like the pin decks are oiled and that might be where the scoring has gotten better is because the pin decks are oiled so the pins are mm -hmm. substal to slide uh and then the new bases on the pins are adding that extra little bit of pin scoring as well so poplar's playing really well this year so yeah just, but yeah, just meant... please, please keep in mind right. stacy listens to the podcast <laughs> I'm not saying anything different than I don't say to their faces. So uh, um, I, I say it all the time to little David about the oiling, and they know it. So um, yeah, I don't know. It, it Mentally looks preparing, like I don't. Been good there. It well, yeah, it's for a few. It's definitely higher than last year. I'm averaging 30 pins higher than last year. Oh. Um, Everybody that's, else seems to be about fifteen to twenty higher. So that's big. That's a huge yeah. difference. That's big for just mental health. Honestly, correct. It is averaging two thirty-five last year was degrading. It was stressful. It made me want to quit the game. To be truthful, so 
it was almost almost humbling almost yeah. but it's also you go somewhere and you average 265 270 and you you wonder what am i doing differently at this house mm-hmm. and then you go back there and you throw 900s and you're like why there should be no difference but mm-hmm. but yeah it's playing way way better and it gives you a little bit more confidence going into everywhere because you're actually throwing well so gives you that little extra mental boost which was needed so Derek I do have to bring this up and and it's not because I want to pick on the guy but I did hear that somebody threw it threw his bowling balls away at the open trials or in the garbage a toppler uh yes Somebody picked them yes. out, though. Oh, Mark Miller threw his bowling balls <laughs> in the garbage, and somebody picked them out. Right. <laughs> Mark Miller. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, didn't, I didn't see it happen. I did hear about it. Yeah. Um, he was struggling, and then his mental brain capacity was <laughs> not in the right place. And, uh, yeah, he... Uh, he almost blew it for sure. So, so who picked out the balls? Was it Mike Lacusi? Uh, was that his new set? <laughs> uh, I, don't know. I, I actually but, don't know the whole story. So, that could that could have been some easy money on the buy and sell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably on the shelf at Top Layer. Somebody picked them out and didn't give them back to them. So, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, no, that did happen. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well, congrats to everybody on making the team. Uh, honestly, uh, Adam, Carey, it uh, mind blown. But I mean, it's it's it just shows how tough this game is, and even two people who are at the absolute upper echelon of this game, it just it just depends on the weekend, right? So it's unfortunate, but uh, we all know you guys will bounce back. It's one less person I have to worry about, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> which, which one? I'll, I'll let you two decide. Which one. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, saw, I saw that Max won Quebec again this year. I was going to message him. He was like, don't have to worry about AW. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but, so uh, well. how, are you, how are you guys feeling going forward? Like, like are you disheartened or are you guys like super motivated are you are you using this as like a way of like springboarding forward what are your thoughts or have you thought adam's just staring at me blankly so (laughs) waiting to see if carrie wants to chime in first sure i will um obviously i'm a little disheartened because that's the second year in a row where i missed the central team um it was kind of weird. I went and played at Heartland Bowl. For a lot of the listeners that don't know Heartland Bowl, it's notoriously a, a slower ball house. So um, ladies score really well in there. Um, people like me that tend to throw you around 50, 50 kilometers an hour don't play so well there. Um, but I got out of there with a 240-some average and was sitting sixth on men's team after the first day. So I thought I got, I got out of the hard house and then went to Innisfail which has brand new lanes, um, not brand new owners, just owners again. Um, and I thought it should have played really well and, 
it was a little bit fast approaches. And the thing I noticed after falling off the team and watching the guys that got onto the team, it, and I hope they don't take this the wrong way. It's not a sloppy shot, but it's like the, the angled glide shots. They all throw the kind of the same shot. It slides across the middle and it just deflects in a weird way. And all of a sudden they started scoring um, Justin Langrock, Eric Chose, and Derek Ware. They all have that little bit of a, yeah, that's the only way I can describe it, a slide shot. And just slides across the middle and takes all the pins down. And me, um, even Victor, Victor didn't play very good on the Sunday, but he had a big enough lead that he didn't really have to worry about it. But it it tore me apart. There wasn't uh, a game I didn't go, obviously, without a head pin, but I just, I just couldn't score. The there were several you games named, I went they... without strikes, that's for sure. The three you named, they also throw end-over-end balls, correct? Well, yeah, they like Eric and Derek throw a backup ball. Um, they come out the bottom of the, the ball just slides across right to left. And Justin throws uh, a hook release, but he comes out the bottom of it too, and it just kind of slides out. It doesn't, doesn't ever seem to pick up and roll. It just keeps sliding, and it, it was working. It just gets onto the axis, yeah. so it so it can't grab, because the ball yeah. ha- the ball has to be semi rolling forward and with a with a side spin rather than just straight side spin for it to actually grab, right? Yeah, and I kind of knew I was in in trouble when I threw my first practice ball and came back with a ring of oil on it. So you knew it was a little bit over oiled, but I deal with that heritage every week, and I play I'm playing decent at heritage, so it was kind of a I don't know, I was caught in the middle of it. I thought I thought overoiled I was gonna be fine, but I just couldn't carry the pins. Must might have been too much speed, might have been something, or I might have been over revving it. Overthrowing it was obviously a huge possibility. Um I have a tendency to do that lately where I get um frustrated. A little bit yeah, a little bit behind, a little bit frustrated, so I start overthrowing the ball, trying to place it perfectly instead of just letting the ball roll out, but is what it is, man. It's uh, been on a downward trail for the last couple of years, but you never know. Hopefully to pick it up here soon. So, Like I said to you before, I remember I think it was like eight years ago, you were driving down to one of the Masters, and you were like, yeah, back when I was good. And then you went on this unbelievable tear for like seven straight years. So you just got to start you know, saying that crap again, and you'll be fine. Yeah. Well, I'm <laughs> starting it already. Back but bowling goes good, two years ago. It goes through peaks and valleys. Bowling always does. You know, you're going to have periods where you're at the absolute top of your game, and then you're going to have some struggles, but it's just coming through. You yeah, are not Kerry. It could be 4, 10 years. <laughs> it could be 10 years. Yeah, 4 It could be 10 years. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, you never know. It was getting close. It was getting close. It was 2011 when I won the Regina, and then all of a sudden it was... <laughs> Till 2017, finally get another win. So, oh, there you go. Hopefully, just not that long this time. <laughs> uh, Mr. Weber, for myself, I uh, definitely have not kind of gotten that motivation yet. I'm uh, still not gonna lie. I'm still trying to figure everything out. Um, extremely disheartened. Um, I. I think the, the biggest issue that I had is I, I put so much extra 
I, I guess, pressure on myself this year. Um, my last two years have been like ridiculous, right? So um, continuing to try to push the envelope and, and, and continue to push my game. Um, I, I think I actually put too much pressure on myself this year. Um, having the opportunity to go to nationals for, you know, three-peat and like, all, all that type of stuff. And, um, yeah, it, 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 I still haven't totally digested it. I, I, I've narrowed it down to two uh, pr pretty key mechanical uh, uh, issues, uh, which also ate me up in Regina a few years back in nationals. So um, I, I really have to work on that, and I think that will get the motivation factor kind of going before Regina here. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm pretty pissed to be honest. Uh, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I played okay. I, it's not that I, I didn't play poorly. Um, I, I you, you can't average, you know, high two fifties at a house that everybody's averaging two seventy, right? So you put yourself behind, uh, even going into a grind house where I know I can, you know, catch up, you know, fairly quickly. Uh, and I, I did actually, you did, uh, after my, did. my, after my first four games, I jumped eight spots and I was back in the mix. And uh, then I just couldn't uh, couldn't hold on to it. So, um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty disheartening. But uh, I've gone through it. Uh, but I've been through the same peaks and valleys as you guys. The, mm -hmm. uh, I had a really long one from about uh, 11 to, to 15, 16 as well. So, um, yeah, at least now I know what to expect. And the, I hope yeah. to know how to correct. The, the hardest part for me was, uh, I, obviously, I think I followed you most of the day, Adam. And uh, it, was just, it was just weird. You, you got a double and you couldn't carry it through, right? It was the first time I've, I've seen that in quite some time where you just couldn't carry. All, all you needed to throw was a turkey or, or four bagger, and I think you would have went off on Saturday. Just a matter of getting that confidence, yeah. and it, it just, you just couldn't get it. You just plowed. I looked over plow, right? You know, and. Just gonna get nothing going like that, which is unfortunate. Well, I think my my biggest mechanical issue that I have going on is uh, uh, basically finishing over top of my shot. So, um, and I've had this issue in the past. I know a lot of people who have, uh, where the feet about halfway through the approach uh, feel really good, and then it's something in the drive to the line is just a little bit off or a little off balance or something along those lines. And uh, for myself, uh, I'd, I'd always slide out to the left, uh, drop my shoulder, and either overthrow the ball, uh, you know, push it to the left side, or just plow because it's, it's dead straight. So, like, rather than being able to use the natural shot, now all of a sudden you're forcing it to the middle because the mechanics aren't, aren't quite the same. So it's, it's an issue I've, I've kind of been battling my, my whole career, uh, but... Uh, yeah, two two sixty is uh, pretty solid for a weekend. Just uh, just not good enough these days. You'll be back. Yeah, I'd yeah. hope to be. This I don't. I don't think it's two sixty is not good enough in those houses. Like, I two sixty is is great, Adam. It's just like you said. It, it's tough to catch up when you're averaging two sixty and guys are playing two eighty, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's tough going into a center where you know you can't punch. You can't. I mean, you go into a house, like if you go into St. Albert, you know, you, you're you're able to punch two couple times a game because, you know, uh, a turkey will just bring you back. Everybody else's. 
Right, exactly. But it, when your when your pace is when you go in there and and it didn't happen, but we we expect we expect three people to shoot around three thousand. It didn't happen, but that's what mm-hmm. that's what we expect. You can't and you go in there and you start punching. That's trouble because one punch, two punches. You throw three punches in a game and you're off pace, like by a long shot. So it's uh, it's definitely a different mentality trying to play in those centers. And at some point, like, do we do we start just playing a different shot, a different a different? Are you trying to play thin rather than try to go for the full shots? You know, because you can get away with a thin shot to get strikes. Do we do we play a no punch line rather than a regular shot for places like that? I don't know. I don't know. I think think you just got to play your normal shot and then adjust accordingly, right? It, it, the idea is to hit the pocket. So, yes, you can play thin. You can play that thick shot. Uh, unfortunately, Bonnie Dune with the 17 setters, I don't think the thick shot is nearly as – it doesn't work nearly the same there. No. Right? So, you know, the, the pins just – it doesn't seem to roll out to the two pins nearly as much. So uh, I, I guess you'd probably rather play thin than thick. Uh, but at the same time, if, you, if you're throwing your, your great shot and you're hitting the pocket, those pins explode. Uh, you just gotta you gotta stop plowing. So yeah. uh, I, I don't know necessarily. I, I wouldn't play any different than you normally would. Just play for the pocket like you normally would. Just uh, you start playing thin now. You're starting to miss, and that's another thing you can't do there. You can't miss. Come back and plow your second shot. You know, it's, it's just not but good. I'd, I'd rather I'd rather miss four times in a game than punch four times in a game. Would you really? No, that's what I'm saying. True. I I mean I. If if putting egos aside, um, I because a head pin's still a miss, you know a head pin a head pin you still you still made that mistake. I would rather make that mistake and miss and take my five points and have the spare opportunity than miss on the inside and punch. Yeah, but you're you're, you're, you're you're missing what you're aiming at though. You're getting punished. Well, not really punished, but that's where I think maybe the head pin needs to be revised. And if you can clean the head pin up, you get a spare. Yeah, we we've talked about that for a long time, and I I, I yeah. definitely don't. It's just the only it's the only time that you get punished for hitting what you're aiming at. Yeah, well, you're trying you're trying to aim at the pocket, right? But the only exactly. problem I have with that, Dexter, is I can punch just as well on the second ball as I can on the first ball. So me yeah. missing and then punch on the second ball is just as bad as a head pin. So I might as well take my chances on the first shot. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not I, saying I, deliberately I, miss. I'm just saying I, I, I'd rather <laughs> if I had to choose between punching and missing, I would choose missing every time. I, I really, I, you know, I, I'd rather give myself a shot. Warren would agree with you on that, Dexter. Really, Who? Mike Warren. Jordan, you agree with him? I agree. I agree, and I would definitely vouch for Mike Warren on that. He would definitely want to miss the middle on a double rather than punch. See, I get more uh, mad when I miss the middle than I do punching. But but why? Yeah. Like I mean, yeah. to me, to me, like a okay. Hypothetically speaking, a head pin is still a miss. You aren't aiming to put it right through the face of that head pin, right? No. But the no, only but I'm, the only reason why we get more mad because we miss than plowing is because of our egos. We don't like looking up and being like, "He well, that guy missed four times in a game." You know, you, you feel you feel like an idiot because you missed four times, but it, it's nothing. No, an ego. I disagree. It's a bad shot. 
It's a worse shot. So it was a head pin. No, at least you put it there. At least you put it down the middle instead yeah, of you missing. Yeah. I, I, and, I think and, I think you have a better chance if you shoot at the middle because you can miss yes. left, you can miss right, and you can yes. get great results. Yes. You play right. thin on one pocket and you miss, it's a horrible result. And the other thing is too, like nothing for me, Could I'd be rather... Could n- n- Nothing feels worse than going pitch, pitch. Like, you're, you're like, right. N- now I look like you're an right. idiot, so... Uh, but like no, you said, with the egos off to the side, but I, I still think I can get away with a thicker shot than I can a three pin. And then now I gotta try and spare a freaking three pin. Are you yeah. kidding me? You're getting yeah. good at those, Carrie. You're getting real good at Only a sure ball. All those fails, you can always bring up the video. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, we lost our training video of that. That's too bad. What? Vine yeah. went down. Yeah, Vine disappeared. Davey still has it. Mitch Davey still has it easily. Definitely understand what you're saying, Dex, but I, I can honestly say that missing the middle, I think you're, you're I think it's a bigger miss than a plow. I, I think uh, it, 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 typically when you're missing the middle, you're either really quick to the line uh, or you're really overthrowing a shot. I, I, I think it's a bigger error mechanically than it is a plow. I'm, um, I'm gonna be honest. I understand exactly what you're saying. I'm, I'm definitely playing devil's advocate right now, too, because I don't even aim for a specific pocket. <laughs> like, like, so me neither. Not, me not at all. I <laughs> go up there, and I, I, I try to throw the ball one way, and if I put the ball down a little, it'll hit right side. If I like, get the ball out, it'll hit left side. I'm not aiming for a specific pocket, but if I could, I, I would aim thin. I'd rather miss. So question three, which would, would do you adjust if you had to hit a, get an eight count and ten? Right, you have one ball left to win a championship. You, you, if you punch, you lose. Do you play thin? Yeah. No. Oof. No. You, no. You gotta hit the middle in that. You, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you win you all have that way. At least put it there. Yeah. You, you can't be playing thin and then. I'm not. You know, I'm not saying. I'm yeah. not saying like <laughs> aim for the three pin. Like I, I know that. Like, I know. I, I'm just saying I'm not gonna like my my shot lives around thick shots for sure i've always enjoyed the thick shots but i don't think i'd be playing for the thick shot when i need eight we're we're, we're, for, we're, we're forgetting that dexter's number one on five pin universe now his ego's changed right so <laughs> <laughs> what, hey, what does there, this have to do with ego there, there's no way in a shot for it all that you all of a sudden move your board over like one to the left or the right no. no, there's no way that you change. Zero chance to play thin, play thick. No, zero chance. You, th- you, you guys have a board you look at? <laughs> you still looking at the foul line, D? Yeah, man. I close my <laughs> eyes and throw. <laughs> <laughs> that foul line is only for me to walk to something and still close my eyes and throw. <laughs> So fun, funny thing is this whole like conversation uh, when I started retooling my game with uh, with Mike Lucusi about three years ago, four well, about four years ago now. Um, the very first conversation we had is he basically asked, "So what? What's your plan? What's your goal? What do you what want do you to get out at? of this?" Right? Um, and my goal was to plow less. Right? Find a line that plows left. I used to play from basically the. Uh, I don't know, but the left arrow of the center, um, I guess for, from that type of an angle, now I'm playing uh, way over from the right and just letting it roll in just to 
eliminate the plow basically up the gut, letting the ball do the work, right? So, um, yes, I kind of probably did try to go a bit thinner in that naturally, but try to find a consistent shot, just not the one shot that you need. There's like, okay, well, I can't plow, let's play thin. Right. So if you dedicate your, your new shot to something like that, but it, I don't know, it's not the, the it, pretty coincidental to, to the conversation, but that was, that was the first goal that, uh, that me and Mike worked on. That's the whole reason why I moved to the right-hand side too, because I played up the gut for so long and it just, it just seemed like never ending punches. So I ended up moving to the right side just, just to try to alleviate some of that too and feel comfortable and feel like I'm just, even if you feel like you're punching less, you know, it makes yeah. it makes the game so much easier, even if mathematically. Yeah. Even if you're missing. But you could still punch yeah. from any angle, though. Oh, for sure you can. Proven. Yeah. But to change the angle in the head, <laughs> and you're not going to, you'll plow something straight back. You might get lucky, get a kick back on a chop rather than going up the gut and plowing it straight back to the mat, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Deflection, too. Depends what kind of house you play into. Yeah, like yeah. Last, I, I, yeah, but that, that's I, the whole I reason. Carry why, yeah, that's the whole reason why we have different lines, right? Mm-hmm. Every house is a little bit different, and that's and that's why I think we all change our lines a little, you know. And ball, oh yeah, ball ball yeah, movement has ball, same ball, same ball thing. Uh, yeah. Did you change your did you change your balls? No, still blue. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem, though, right? It, it, it's rarely the ball that is different, right? Yes. In my, pers- my personal opinion, I don't really care what house I'm at because if I can throw, I'm going to throw that ball to where it works, right? Yes. I just have to figure out what that line is. I want the ball to feel the same every single time I throw it. Doesn't matter what house. So if I start changing balls, well, that changes. Now I've got to figure out a new line or something new. To make that shot work, I don't know. I understand the, the the ball changes and you know even the mental side of a ball change, just a change, right? But uh, I I think you can make any ball work at any house. Just a matter of figuring out what the puzzle is. Yeah, these guys here who use star lines and, and all that, like Dexter and Carrie. The Dexter I think has two different types of star lines or whatever, like different size and weight. If you're using the same star line. And then you change like do a star line to a different you know deflection maybe a five inch to a four and seven eighths I get that, right? I, I get uh, maybe de- like the pin might be deflecting you, you so you don't have to readjust again um, using the same same kind of star line. But uh, I, I don't know I I played and this is like big for me because you know how you guys always make fun of my adjusting but I play always play down the middle of Bonnie even because the amount of oil there. And it wasn't working, so I moved to the far right and started scoring. And in St. Albert, I usually play on the right because it, it moves a little bit more. And then I had to play on the far left and it worked. So, um, so Tim, b- back in the day um, when you were still bowling uh, the Wednesday match league, and I wasn't that year, you played and I didn't, you were mm-hmm. lighting that place up. And that's when you were playing way right. Yes. And we went in there for Masters. And I moved way right because it's like mm-hmm. this line is working for Tim, and then I end up winning that Masters. So why weren't you playing way right? Way right's always worked there for you. That was that was wood when we played. When I lit it up. It was wood, and then Susan went to synthetic with more oil. It wasn't it? Uh, it wasn't scoring properly. But I played down the middle. 
played down the middle from Masters and the Open last year, and I averaged over 300 for both combined. So I just went to whatever that I actually remember where I stood and uh, didn't work. So I should just <laughs> stay where I normally would stand and call it a day. Yeah. Oh. Hey, well, we'll segue out of that uh, that long bit. Yeah. That was pretty good. Um, definitely good to get all your guys' information on that. So we'll move on to the special guest questions. Um, we'll ask Jordan first, and then Derek, if you want to answer the question right after he's done, and then we'll move to the next question after that. Okay. All right. So bowling mentor growing up. I got a couple. Uh Holy <clears throat> mentor. I got no family back. Uh, I got no one from my family side. I'm the first uh, one to pick up a bowling ball. Uh, so I can't really say family. Uh, John Ouvre, I don't know, name doesn't ring much of a bell, but uh, he's the one that sat me down when I was 15 and I was a little, little punk hitting stuff, breaking stuff, and he sat me down. He goes, you want to be good and respectable? I said, yeah, and he goes, all right, come with me. So he put me through his little boot camp, and it was like a classroom. Our YBC was actually a classroom. It was uh, at 6.30 to 7 o'clock, little book reading bullshit. It'd be old. <laughs> <laughs> and uh anyway no we we did a bunch of like studying and stuff like you know cooperation coaching techniques like he sat a few of us down including uh, uh daryl wood was involved with that and uh, you know uh, so john and and his daughter trisha foster uh yeah two two big people in my life sat me down and I wouldn't have thought it would uh, help me out as soon as it did winning Regina back in 2012, but, uh, you know, it's definitely uh, turned a new leaf over the last year, coming back to win and even play as well as I did in Calgary. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be back and competing with you guys and everyone across Canada for that fact. It's, it's good to be back. Uh, my mentor, well, my whole family bowled, so mom, dad, sister as well. Uh, so probably my dad influenced me to start uh, getting into bowling. But one person I definitely looked up to was Roy Cunningham. Uh, he, I don't know, he influenced the game to me, showed respect to people, um, loved the game. Um, just stuff like that. Um, yeah, other than that, uh, just meeting friends along the way and yeah, pretty much as you go through, you meet people like Bruce Mortar, idolize him as he, as you're watching him, the way he goes, um, people like that, you kind of see, you can develop mentors for sure. Um. But I would say Roy Cunningham probably from the beginning. The Chief. Yeah. The Chief, yes. Iconic name in Alberta bowling, so. Um, Man, your favorite tournament? Favorite tournament? Um, well, I, I don't know, boys. You got uh, you guys got some good tournaments out there. Uh, 
to me, obviously, was uh, Regina, the Coca Cola Classic, the year that uh, obviously I won. But uh, I'm I'm liking Red Deer. It's it's in a good time. I like the format. Uh, it, the process of elimination is 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 sweet, and the fact that all these tournaments are going to a fourth and possible fifth shift is is crazy. Um, I, I hope uh, somewhere along the line, as a Canadian, as a Canadian whole, to get some sort of flight voucher to get all like more people, bring in more people, bring them in, like you know. Uh, so I would have to say Red Deer because of the format. I like them. Agreed. Derek, your favorite tournament? Um, uh, mine is the Open. Um, it's always been a favorite of mine. Um, uh, just qualifying with friends, people, um, provincials. Is, I haven't made too many nationals, but, but I think just open, meeting new people, bowling in the different, bowling with mixed. I've done a lot of that. Uh, singles as well. I just I find that it's not less competitive because it, it seems to be more competitive. Um, uh, yeah, just the open, I guess. That's what comes to my mind. I like the banquet parts. That's probably the biggest part. <laughs> <laughs> there, not that the Masters doesn't have it either, but yeah, I, I I just like the fun that open brings. So yeah, agreed. We've had some good times at the banquets, that's for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, do you guys have a favorite match or a memorable match that sticks out in your head, or a toughest match? <laughs> First one I got is uh, shout out to Mitch Davies. Pulled uh, him in Regina on one and two, and we started out the third game. And he looked at me straight in the eye and he said, "If I don't start out with a turkey, I'm done." Through a strike in the first frame, he punched the second frame and he walked off. And he grabbed my hand, he shook it, and he said, "Have a good day," and he left. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, I think uh, that's a funny, funny match there. But uh, most memorable, though, I would say is against Bruce Mortar, actually, on a mixed team at the Nationals in Newfoundland. Uh, bowled with a really good team from BC. And just bowling ball for ball against Bruce in the 10th frame. I mean, if I struck out, I win enough points. So we make the ladder. Uh, unfortunately, I got a corner pin second ball, and it, we missed the ladder by one and a half, but just to be up against Bruce on a mixed team of all things and, and uh, you know, smaller 21, 22-year-old kid against this icon with five-pin bowling is, is pretty pretty memorable. Share a good moment there with him. It was kind of good. nice, pretty cool. That was 2013, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, 2013. Mr. I have two that I remember. Um, TPC was the first one that comes to my mind when it was back in uh, Sherwood, or not Sherwood, uh, Collingwood. 
Collingwood, and I was going up against Gino Zbars, and uh, I beat him the first two games. Was best out of three. Beat him the first two games, and I think I had about a fifty pin lead. And just the look on Gino's face, I walked back to the counter. My dad was sitting there, and his wife was sitting there at the time. And I turned to both of them. I said, "Well, this match is over." And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, Gino's look on his face. I got to throw 400 to beat him. And uh, we both started six from the gun. I plowed seven. He threw a strike in eight, threw a strike in nine. And he threw four, I believe it was 410 to finish. But, yeah, ended up beating me by, I believe it was 10 points. So I remember that one a lot. <laughs> Kind of showed me that no game is ever done. So, yeah. and then uh, my best best match ever against Brad Wilton at uh, Provincials to go to Nationals in Lethbridge, um, bearing a split uh, to beat him. Six. He has a picture of it. Uh, I always forget about it, but he has a picture of it, and I believe it was like it was a two game match. I believe the totals were 640 and 620. So it was probably my toughest, closest, funnest match. With that was in Lloyd, wasn't Lloyd, it? Oh. Or Lloyd Minister, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he was on absolute fire that entire weekend. That's correct, yeah. And it was I was over-practicing on the far left lane or far right lanes. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and I was... I kept chairing the three pin, chairing the three pin, because I was getting a lot of chop offs that weekend. So I went over, and that's all I was aiming at was the right three pin, trying to get that side cleaned up. Daryl Bradley comes over and he's like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "I can't spare this side." And he's like, "Okay, well, move half a board this way, throw the same shot." And I ended up throwing one ball. It kicked the right three pin, took the deuce, and then it also took the deuce on the left side. And during that second match, that was the split. was the head pin left three, so I had the right three-two and the left deuce, and I ended up sparing it. So wow. all that practice paid off. So, <laughs> hmm. yeah, That's awesome. Kind of crazy. Yeah. What do you guys have in your arsenal? <laughs> Jordan? Bowling ball I, right? Yeah, bowling ball shoes. I, I I got uh, honestly whatever the proprietor would let me take home after a national event. Um, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> set of cobras. I got a blue set of cobras. They're uh, four and three quarter, three six. I've had those since uh, actually it's my second set of bowling balls I've owned. Uh, I've had them for 14 years now. Um, but I use those and a uh, set of four and seven, eight, three, eight scorpions. Just go house to so, house, use them, and yeah, just so they're the same ball like, basically, uh, just one size bigger. Yeah, pretty well. Uh, and it's like what referring to what Adam said earlier, you know, uh, you know, you only bring so much to a tournament, and if you feel comfortable with a set or you use one set all the time, you gotta adjust to what you're bowling on with that one set of bowling balls, so. No, agree. Do you, are you throwing custom shoes? Yeah, I actually got my own shoes. I made them. Uh, it cost me 98 bucks. 
60 bucks for the DC shoes from Sport Check and uh, just a couple old sliders. I had my bag, blew them on, and away I went. It seems to be the new trend. It uh, it, it is. Uh, it was actually really frustrating. I bought a set of Storms, and they lasted a year. I bought a set of Dexter SST6s. They lasted a year. Um, other than maybe having to peel a slider off, you can just keep buying the same pair of shoes for next to nothing. And, you know, yeah. there's a lot of guys back here at home in BC. They're all going to a, a Nike or a DC or um, just because of the cost. Like it's crazy how much a pair of bowling shoes costs nowadays. Mm -hmm. How about you, D? Pair of pro rubbers. It's not working. No, you're good now. Um, how's that? Good. Um, I have a pair of pro rubbers, uh, four and seven eighths, three ten, which I've had since I was 15 years old, so 25 years. Uh, I use those all the way after through YBC and after YBC up until six years ago maybe that I uh, saw everybody using soft rolls and it seemed to be carrying pins a little bit better so I bought a set of soft rolls and I've been using those for the last six years and those are four and seven eight three eight as well so uh, my shoes are just a pair of Dexter shoes. Uh, found them online. I believe the price of them <laughs> regularly were like two seventy nine here, and I ended up finding them online for a hundred and ten. So not overly terrible, but yeah, I do agree that everybody is going to the shoe chains over. But I can see the comfortability factor in that would be really good. Um, yeah, the only the only thing that worries me about them is like the the velcro or the slider coming off because once that happens, you're absolutely screwed. And I've seen it happen once or twice this year with certain people. I don't know whether the glue just didn't set or whatever, but uh, it seems like a majority of people have had like pretty good success with it. But if you do lose that, then you're in real trouble. Yeah, you're going back to your old shoes. It's crazy to me that you throw that three ten as hard and as fast as you did. I mean, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, those. I still throw them every once in a while when I need to get the ball out a little bit more, or if I need the ball to stop moving because the star roll or pro line or yeah, um, yeah, they're moving. Like for my speed, when I say moving, it moves a board. Yeah, um, exactly. But that board, that board just basically makes it move off the middle if I'm plowing right on the middle. So it kind of moves, gives me a chop off, but yeah, the yeah. pro or the pro rubbers are just, if I need the straighter line and yeah, they, they seem to work and, or if I need to get it a little bit more, get tired. Yeah. Yeah. 54 kilometers isn't fast, is it? Oh, no. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
So what do you guys have left on uh, on your bowling bucket list? Perfect game. For what it's worth anymore, uh, perfect game would be awesome to get. Uh, Masters singles title, a couple of you guys on here have uh, won a couple of those. You know, even a team title, you know, it's one of those things. I guess it's just one of the, the bucket list checkoffs. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's any event that I haven't won yet, I want to win it. Got lots of time and five other familiar faces that, uh, that I'm talking to tonight to compete against for the next how many years bowling's around for. So, you know, you're going to. You guys are still into it. I'm still into it. Well, hopefully the rest of Canada is on board with us. Yeah. Um, definitely the elusive 450. Um, it's the only thing that my dad holds over me, um, in my easiest way to say it. The thing I've tried to strive to is getting all his goals, seeding past his scores, stuff like that the only thing that he holds over my head after that then it would be something you guys have done singles titles something like that a gold medal at nationals since i get to do that either so yeah that would be my goals i have to apologize i thought in winnipeg when wayne was bullshitting me on his perfect game i i had i you know cause that's wayne right um yeah yeah no he's, so he's truthful okay you told him to shut up a million times. And I thought, okay, well, gee, just, you just know, Derek just said, okay, don't talk. But oh, sorry, so, Tim. Yeah. I thought you were apologizing for how bad you played in Winnipeg. <laughs> wow. Welcome back to the conversation, Karen. <laughs> I, I, did, quality, I showed up. Not quantity. <laughs> That's right. I showed up. Yeah, it's one thing he didn't lie about. It's the only thing that he holds over me. So he bowled it at Claiborne. So, yeah. Awesome. Good old Claiborne. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, is there one last topic you guys want to talk about? No way. That's a wrap. <laughs> wow. Well, we, um, we actually. Might... Yeah, go ahead, Kerry. <laughs> I'll see if I can. Um, there was a question brought up by JB Rainsberger on Facebook. Um, he's gotten to a point, as he explains, and lots of people have already commented on to help him out. He's gotten to a point where he's working on too much, he figures. He, he's working on footwork, extension, and all this other stuff. What's one thing you guys decide to focus on if you are struggling? What's the one thing that you decide to work on first to get that fixed before you move on to maybe something else back to basics yeah back more times than not more times than not when you're when you're trying to analyze what you're doing wrong it's you can always revert back to your timing in my opinion if mm -hmm. your timing's not there nothing else is going to work so your footwork could be probably the first step getting everything together that would be my, that's what I revert back to is just the timing aspect. So, I completely agree with you, Derek. I think my, my game would, 
go to shit if uh, <laughs> if if my timing wasn't good, right? I mean, I think a lot of us are, but um, I know Adam and Dex are a little bit more and carry a little bit more analytical than you and I are probably. But uh, I find if my timing's out, you can tell and you can feel it. Um, you can feel it by your release on your ball or how you feel on your shots. Um, I think, yeah, I would go back to my basics for my timing. That's where I would go. Everything so, follows that. I totally agree with timing, but I, I'm, I'm a guy who uh, I'll never sit there and try to focus on my footwork um, because that's really going to mess with my timing. It, it just, it's just not, I become super mechanical every time that I ever try to do that. What I do try to do is if my timing is bad, I, I pretty well focus on it going into the last step. So I just, I just focus on the feeling of hitting my explosion point, top of the backswing, leg drive forward, and then I can just feel my arm and my leg drive forward at the same time. And I just focus on getting that timing right. Um, outside of that, I, I, I focus a lot on uh, hand position because once I get my hand into the right position and that that's mostly on push away, it, it kind of drives everything for me. It drives the rotation and it drives lift and, and accuracy. So I focus a lot on push away uh, hand position. Yeah. Uh, for myself, uh, I, it's, I, I can definitely tell what's going on just by the results. Um, if I'm playing a game or two and I'm still seeing the consistent uh, errors or consistent result at the back end, I can usually pinpoint it to one or two major issues. Um, and then just a matter of trying to correct them. Uh, like I, I'm going to be into doing a, a practice shift tomorrow, and I know exactly what I'm dedicating my shift to or my practice session to, and that's going to be to get uh, the drive over my shot rather than, you know, slipping out. So uh, once I have a kind of an idea of what the issue might be or narrow it down to one or two, uh, then you can kind of focus or dedicate that focus in your practice to one or two things rather than the broad issue. Uh, what I think JB's going to have a bigger, you know, a difficult time with is when he's trying to do five or six things at the same time, he's going to get two correct, uh, and then the other three or four are going to go to the wayside, and the shot's going to be all over the place, right? You've you got to narrow it down to at least a, a certain focus in a session. You can't be worrying about five or six different things, or you're not going to be able to focus on the task at hand. So once you figure out that task, then go to the next step, right? So mm -hmm. that's, uh, that, that's what I plan on doing tomorrow. We've, I think it's sorry. I think it's great. I saw Tom Patterson uh, mm -hmm. say, "Hey, video yourself." Because JB has those means. Video yourself and let me look at you. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great resource if if he's struggling. Tom offering that. We've we've all thrown thousands and thousands of balls, and your body knows how to do it for the most part. So if you're trying to force your body to do it in, in five different things mentally, you're, you're taking away the whole aspect of of throwing all those millions of bowling balls that we've thrown you know you want to focus on one thing maybe two things and then if you're really struggling try focusing on something that you're doing right that's something lynn howell said to me years and years and years ago so they got you know what your push away is really good focus on that so that at least at least you're less mechanical it's a positive thought mm -hmm. and uh 
and you and you're not sitting there trying to think, okay, well, I got to put my foot here and I got to push my arm here. My timing's got to be here. It's just it's just not 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 a way to get the results you're looking for. So certainly yeah. doesn't work for most. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan, what about you, Jordan? You know, it's uh, everything you guys, you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, uh, as a coach's perspective, uh, start on the approach. Uh, like you said, is your timing good? If you feel good in the timing, work your way on the lane. Get your spot going. If you, you got to move your spot, move your spot. If you don't feel comfortable, then move. Uh, if, if I'm in a, in a need-be situation, um, I better be mentally there before I'm physically there. If my mental game's not there, then my physical game's gone. Uh, touching back on, on even Calgary, just the, the, the amount of games you bowl on the Sunday and, and the amount of balls you throw and just the endurance behind the whole game, you don't even know it half the time. I mean, Dexter, you could probably vouch getting to that final. I, I didn't even know. Next thing you know, it's just you. It's just, okay, we're in the final. I'm exhausted. I have no idea what's going on because I just dedicated my game rather than what surrounded me. So as long as you can control that mental drive, then everything kind of just falls in place. Mm -hmm. I, I think controlling emotions is huge too because how many times we all get frustrated and all of a sudden we just start playing differently than we normally should be? Um, a lot of times you go to like a cash tournament or you know watch the open uh, singles, for example, watching the watching the zones. You could tell um, certain individuals are already checking themselves out because they're already upset, they're already frustrated, um, and as soon as you can become that way uh, emotionally, it's tougher to get yourself back into the, that mindset again. So uh, I think trying to keep yourself the same mental uh, and emotional space the whole weekend I think goes a long ways definitely agree couldn't agree Carrie? more uh, yeah so I guess when I'm really struggling I just I focus on my first step I try and make sure that um, if I feel like I'm crashing a line I shorten my first step if I feel like I'm uh, stretched out too far I make my first step a little bit longer, I move up. And that's the only thing I really focus on. Like you said, your, your body's trained to do the same thing all the time. It's usually from how you get to the approach is where most of my struggles come from. That's all I worry about. So with you, Carrie, my question always to you is, with you that has 10 different lines that you do use, um, how do you how do you focus on each one um so if his question is he's mechanically doing different things your approach is always the same but how do you how do you pinpoint each spot that you have when you're changing because obviously jb is right. trying so, to change these different things as well what can help him to focus on a certain aspect well, really, like, um, yeah, I, I change my lines a lot. I even change hand positions and will change rotations too. It's just knowing and committing to what I'm going to do before I start my approach. 
nothing worse than getting up. And Adam knows this from um, quite a few years ago when I first told told them. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Sometimes when I get to the foul line, it was a, a foul line decision if I was throwing a backup or a hook up the gut, right? Um, but now, since I play so many different lines all over the place, I, I make sure I make the commitment before I take that first step. If I'm going to play from the right side with a hook and I'm going to hit the second arrow from the right, I make a commitment that's what I'm going to do. And then if I hit, if I do all that right and I punch, then I just make a small adjustment off that and small adjustment off that. That, that is the number one thing. you you got to make a commitment to what you're doing. Even though I used to play in the past loosey-goosey where it only – I decided when I got to the foul line what I was going to do. And it worked fairly well. But when you're having bad days, there are real bad days, right? Yeah. Yeah. One, so, the yeah, one thing just I'll, make, a, I'll, make a commitment. <laughs> the one thing I'll piggyback on that uh, from, from just watching you from the outside, Carrie, is um, the one thing that you do that most don't is you'll actually go do practice sessions or you'll dedicate a league night to a particular line to really dedicate four, six, ten games to that feel so you've got it in the back pocket if and when you do need to do it, right? So yeah. you, you, you can make that commitment. And uh, I, I think we talked about this before, even at, uh, like, the TPC Championship. You know, you, you have one game or maybe even two or three frames to figure this out, and there's only going to be – a few people that are going to be, you know, they'll have, you know, the balls to, to actually make that change in commitment rather than just struggle through it and hope it changes. Right. Yeah. You've dedicated half of your game, half of your leagues um, to those lines. So you can make that commitment, um, you know, with confidence, you know, mid, mid game, mid tournament. One on a back a few years. Sorry. Yep. Uh, back a a few years ago, I played three different leagues and I played three different lines on each league and I averaged mm -hmm. 260 in every league. So it gave me confidence that if I went to a tournament and the one line wasn't working, I had another 260 line to go play. Um, now it hasn't worked out so much. I've kind of let that go and I've kind of committed to one specific line and it's not working out the best for me. So I'm obviously going to be playing a little bit differently here in the next couple months, hopefully before Regina get it figured out. But it, that's a decision I made when I wanted to find something else that worked because I didn't, I didn't trust what I was doing. I was starting to struggle a lot and I was happy I found something. And it, I understand for people, it, it, it's tough to make a total line and rotation change and stay committed to it because you have a couple of bad nights and there's nothing more that you want to do than just go back to, you know, what works. But, mm -hmm. but you're exactly right. It, it's all about going in and practicing that and making sure you get those reps. I think having multiple lines is an absolute asset. Um, Cause you just, you just never know. Uh, I mean, even what was it? It was last year in, at masters nationals, Victor was getting tired and his knee was sore. Uh, he was having problems with that. So he started like dropping his shoulder and he, he came back and like, what what do I do? I'm like, move left. Move left. You're dropping the shoulder anyways. Throw the ball. Let the ball roll back in, you know. Um, but at, le at least having those options and having the confidence to do it. There was there was a year at TPC where I was facing uh, Stephen Medhurst. And he shot like three, 
30 his first game at me, and I shot 220. I was playing the right side. And I went and I moved left. And my next two games were, I think it was like 350, three, or no, actually it was 390, 340 or something. I came back and ended up. But that that line change is massive. If you're, you know, if you feel like you're throwing a good ball and you're leaving nothing but corners or, you know, you're hitting pocket and you're still not carrying nothing, that line change is a, is a big bonus for sure. But then, and then, and then there's the situation where you run into where there's lines that you can't play in certain places. So if you're, if you're far left is your regular line and you go into a, a bowling alley that have the ball returns a crowd right up to the foul line, well, good luck playing that line, right? So up against the wall or anything like that, right? Exactly. Yeah, having that Lane option them. to move away from the wall is yeah. massive. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, have you noticed it to be a little bit more yeah. difficult? since, uh, you know, more and more of the centers are going to an acrylic versus the wood. Like my, myself, for example, uh, I, I always found that if I was making different line changes on wood, the ball would actually react much, much different, whereas now it doesn't seem to react nearly the same way, and it, it kind of has that flat hit no matter what uh, once mm. it hits the pins. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you, St. Albert. Uh, yeah. The ball the um, to roll out a little better. As funny as it sounds, I think oil, oiling for houses is bigger, right? True, of course. Yeah, I, th I think with uh, with the synthetics, it's just that the oil is, you know, so consistent down the lanes for the most part. Um, with 5-pin, you don't see the oil breakdown as much as you do with it with 10-pin, right? It just doesn't have the, the weight behind the bowling ball for it to do it. Um, so... It, yeah, it, it wood, it breaks down a little bit more. It absorbs into the lanes. You're going to have spots where you might have more oil. You might have spots where you have less, less oil. So changing those lines, you might you might get different reactions based on where you throw it. But it's the synthetic just sits there. You don't see you don't see a change all that much. Mm -hmm. um, we'll talk about that more on the next podcast. We're going to wrap this one up. Um, I can't thank you guys enough for joining me again, Derek, Jordan. Um, I thanks for joining us and uh, explaining <laughs> your thought processes me. on stuff and all the guest questions. What what number was this? Forty seven. Forty seven. Awesome. That's a <laughs> lot. <laughs> How many more? You guys talk a lot. Going to keep going till we can't talk anymore. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Take care, guys. Thanks, Thanks guys.